I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to another episode of How Do You Hustle? In today's episode, we interview the lovely Elfie Scott. She's a published author, editor, journalist, and presenter, and honestly, just so inspiring. She's written a book about Australia's untold mental health crisis, and she writes it through the lens of a personal experience with a family member, as well as combining the stories of many other people who she's interviewed. And I think it's such an important topic that Elfie's opening up and some of the work she does is just amazing. So I know you're all going to love this interview. I'd like to start the episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording the Yugambeh people and paying respects to elders past, present and emerging. Elfie Scott. Welcome to How Do You Hustle. You are obviously a journalist, presenter, and author. I'm so happy to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I am I am tired because it is my second week of full-time work in like two years. So oh, wow. I feel like my brain is like seeping out of my ears. I can actually relate to that. I've recently gone back to full-time work. This is my oh. soft launch on the podcast. I haven't told them that yet. But um, yeah, I was thinking... I'm working at a not-for-profit doing digital. Wow. What about yourself? Congratulations. Um, I'm over at Mamma Mia now working as the editor. Oh, I did see that. Oh, my God. I'm incredible. Oh, thank you. I'm tired. I don't know what's happening yet. But I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of teases us into what you're doing at the moment. But I will just ask, like, what are your career focuses at the moment? Because I know you do have a lot of your fingers in a few different pies per se. Um, so yeah, what's your main career focus at the moment? Yeah, that's a really good question. And like a question to which I don't even know the answer. <laughs> so, um, I would say that like, honestly, this is something that I've come to realize quite recently, but I don't have career aspirations or like work dreams. Wow. It's like, you know how people have like work goals and they'll be like, I'm working towards this here, all these steps that I need to get there. It's a five year plan. I don't have that at all. Like I literally just do things that I'm passionate about and I feel like contribute in some way. And it's just a massive weird jumble. But I would say that um, in terms of like my focuses right now, like I'm pretty passionate about uh, editing at Mamma Mia and I really want to work with the team of writers and like build them up and make them feel confident and like, you know, work as hard as I can to empower other people to get their voices out there. But also, like, I'm still doing other stuff on the side, too. So who knows? 
That's amazing. I don't know how people work full time and do other stuff on the side. I mean, I am doing that too. Yeah. You're literally um, interviewing yeah. me after your job. <laughs> and you too. Yeah, I know. We all kind of do it these days, don't we? Like it's such a like side hustle culture, but it also is like that cost of living. Like if you want to achieve your own goals, you also have to have a nine to five. So we're just all out of your hustling. Crisis, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for people who work in the media, like what else are we supposed to do? There aren't exactly. other options. Yeah, exactly exactly that's probably a whole other conversation that we can open up but (laughs) um so how did you get started in the media industry and the industry you're in uh so I would say that like I was always writing um I was one of those people who had like a full-time tumblr blog back in the day and amazing um, through that I started to write online articles um I became like a columnist when I was like 20, which by the way, for anybody who was thinking about hiring a 20 year old columnist, don't do it because they have bad opinions (laughs) and they're idiots. Um, But like, I shouldn't say that in general. 20 year olds, you're very smart, but I certainly wasn't. Um, And then from there, I I took a couple of years off actually. um, And then I finished university degrees but like my proper first journalism job was at BuzzFeed News and I started there after I did a master's in journalism and I was their first like science reporter. So yeah, that's kind of where I started. I have noticed that you've got like a few different kind of areas of interest or um, subject matters that you do cover. So can you tell us what those kind of are and like why they are of interest to you? Yeah, sure. Again, totally unfocused human being. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know, multifaceted. Like, no, it's it's not it's not a good thing. I think it actually kind of detracts from my career. But like, you know how certain people will have things in like their Instagram bio, like you know, mental health or like body positivity or stuff like that. Nobody knows what barrel to put me in. So like, people are just like perpetually confused by what I actually do. But I would say that honestly, I just uh I like the things I like like I'm just kind of a nerd and I like uh mental health I started out um at university in a psychology degree um so that's kind of where that came from and I also really like talking about climate change I think that that's kind of part and parcel of being somebody who's interested in science that I became really focused on climate change when I started reporting. Um, But then other than that, yeah, it's like a very vast array of things that I'm interested in, like politics, current affairs, uh, weirdly like international news I'm really into as well. Like I'm deeply into like uh, reporting on sort of global affairs stuff, but nobody ever lets me do that. Um, And I noticed you kind of uh, delving into the climate kind of space as well at the moment yeah so I actually had a podcast last year which was a weekly environmental news podcast um and yeah I I think it's a really interesting space to be in basically because like I think that it's one of those things where everybody has like a top line understanding of why they care about climate change and that's great and that's really important but then it's really complicated to get into the nuts and bolts of actual climate action um, on a governmental yeah. level. So I think that's why I really like talking about it is because those sort of things should be 
transparent processes for everybody. And right now it's like super opaque. Nobody knows what the fuck is happening. But yeah, I really like, I think in general, my passion is trying to explain complicated things in accessible ways. And like climate change is that in a nutshell. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. And I just love that you started that podcast. Like I really admire a lot of the work you do, which we're going to extend on more. But yeah, I think that's very kind. I think there's not enough. There's not enough really strong young voices in the space, in my opinion. I think we, we could have more. Yeah, I mean, I think there are lots of like really smart young advocates, but like, yeah, I I agree as like far as it goes with like journalism, especially around climate change, like Mm. A, I think like Australian media is very reticent to talk about it in general because it doesn't get clicks and it's really hard to drive traffic towards climate change reporting. But then also like, yeah, specifically young people reporting on it. That's yeah, it's hard to get your foot in the door, um, especially on environmental reporting, because everybody who has these senior positions in environmental reporting are like 60 years old. They've done environmental degrees. They've done all this like really academic stuff. Um, So yeah, I think it's like a really hard road to tread for young people. For sure. Hopefully we see that change. Obviously one of your other areas that you speak on is mental health and you have released your book, The One Thing We've Never Spoken About, Exposing Our Untold Mental Health Crisis. So what made you decide to write a book for starters on top of everything else? And did it sort of come from a frustration with the system? Obviously, you've got a personal experience with um, living with someone with a severe mental illness. So, yeah, what kind of drove you to write the book? And like what failings did you kind of notice that did drive you to do that? Yeah, sure. So as to what drove me to write the book in the first place, I think I'm like incredibly impulsive and I didn't actually <laughs> think it through at all. So I'm not going to act we like love that, that. Was really, yeah, that wasn't like a well-rounded decision. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like the themes in the book, um, basically it is talking about my mum who lives with schizophrenia, but that's only a jumping board for like a really broad discussion that I have in the book about uh, stigma that still surrounds complex mental health conditions and like wide systemic failings. And to be honest, like my family hasn't had experience with those systemic failings because we come from a place of extreme socioeconomic privilege. Like we haven't really had to deal with what everybody else has had to deal with. Um, We're incredibly lucky for that. But, uh, um, you know, I think that the stigma is something that touches everybody who knows somebody with a complex mental health condition or lives with one. So that was really my starting point, was just noticing that it was just a thing that we could never talk about appropriately for the title of the book. So, yeah, it's it was a matter of starting to investigate the stigma and, like, why it was still so cloaked in silence, but then that sort of logically took me on a track to understanding all of these massive mental health care systemic failings that keep people from recovery and keep people falling through the cracks, basically. I love it. And I think like it's something, you know, that's close to a lot of people's hearts. I know in my family, there's um, people that have experienced similar things and like, yeah, I think, it is funny because it is still a thing that we, oh, don't tell anyone that, you know. Um, and 
I just wonder when that's going to change. Like, you know, if you look at the statistics in Australia, it's really incredible and not in a good way, like how many people are suffering in silence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't know what it's going to take. Like, yeah. Um, What do you think on that topic? um, Are there key things that do need to change in Australia to kind of start reducing that stigma? I know that's a huge question, but yeah. Like what is your opinion on this topic? Yeah. It's, it's obviously like a really multifaceted question with a multifaceted answer. It kind of requires an entire book to walk through annoyingly. (laughs) Um, But um, like there are so many different parts of it. And in the book, I kind of draw out the cycle that I see between stigma and systemic failure And, you know, there are obviously, like, governmental things that can happen. There can be, like, changes to social support, housing support, the criminal justice system that can have ramifications for people who are living with these conditions. But then also, like, in terms of what I would love to see is basically just, like, an opening up of this conversation. And that's really all I have power to do is just to try and open up the conversation because right now it's just non-existent it's it's really shocking and yeah like you said like anybody who has family experience with these sort of things you will notice that you can hear about depression you can hear about anxiety uh you can hear about adhd increasingly but yeah you just don't hear these words you don't hear the word schizophrenia or bipolar or schizoaffective disorder like those just aren't in people's dictionaries yet so i think that like opening up the conversation is the first step for a lot of us and also educating ourselves really. For sure. And I think there is a long way to go with education. Like I don't even remember going through the Australian school system, ever really hearing about mental health at all. Not in my education. I was trying to remember this the other day. And I think that like, maybe I heard about like depression in like, PDHPE or whatever yeah, but like I think that was <laughs> and it was like this foreign thing you know it wasn't yeah like, totally to it wasn't something like that could happen you know to you yes a hundred <laughs> will likely like, happen to you <laughs> yeah it wasn't like look out for your peers or like look out for yourself it's like oh this happens to some people sometimes exactly yeah it's interesting um so how did you find the process of writing a book and how long did it take you to kind of, obviously there's a lot of ideas and you said it's a really complex issue. So yeah. How long, what was that process like for you? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I've got the worst memory, honestly. So I know this happened (laughs) like six months ago and I'm like, I don't remember, but, uh, (laughs) I think the the book from like start to finish, including editing, took like a year, I think. Um, and the process, like it was a lot and logistically it was a lot because like I'm horrible at planning and I'm horrible at keeping things in like short term memory and like trying to remember things and make sure that I'm keeping in touch with everybody. Cause I interviewed like 85 people for the book. So wow. like by the That's end of the amazing. process, yeah, it was like a lot. And like I had to do so much administration, which I'm terrible at. Um, <laughs> but 
honestly, like other than that, other than the magnitude of it, it actually felt like quite a natural process because like, I mean, you'd know as a journalist, like in a typical week, how much are you writing? You're probably writing like easily at least 5,000 words, if not like 10,000 words. And, you know, I think that it's really just a case of trying to like uh, amplify that and trying to figure out like the logistical stuff and like organizing your brain. But like writing itself is kind of fun and creative and interesting. It is. Yeah. <laughs> also, like how did that come about that it got published? Like did you, um, yeah, approach someone with a pitch or did you, did someone kind of come to you after you like had a contact? Yeah, it's, um, it's very weird, the process of getting stuff published. Right. Like, the publishing industry is such a weird place. Like, just for <laughs> anybody, even who works in the media, you think you'd understand it. And then, like, it's just yeah, real topsy-turvy. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> don't even bother. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, in terms of getting a book published, you kind of just write up a pitch and I ha I'm lucky because I have an agent. So she sort of represented me and my interests and we went to a bunch of different publishing houses and ultimately I got uh, offers from a couple of places, but I went with um, Pantera Press and I was talking to somebody about this today and it's literally just because like I really liked them and they were nice. And I think that that's like the most important thing when you're trying to write a book is that you're working with people who you think are nice and you could be friends with. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's really what I prioritized and that's how it got started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Amazing. And it's it's obviously a testament to 
your pitch <laughs> because yeah like that's an incredible achievement you know most people aspire to that in their whole lifetime and you've achieved it at such a like relatively young age <laughs> um if I can do it anybody can do it I'm telling you that right now <laughs> you also have a couple of different podcasts you write and you do a lot of media appearances as well as your job at Mamma Mia so tell us like what you enjoy most about what you do and how you kind of time manage <laughs> yeah sure so the podcasts are actually um not happening anymore they sort of wrapped up uh, very late last year um but in cool. terms of how I time manage like yeah I'm still doing all the book stuff I'm interviewing with you for this podcast um yeah so there's lots of like media appearances and stuff like that and various jobs um but in terms of how I time manage ugh, I don't I don't think I do really because like I mean realistically the best people don't (laughs) yeah exactly I don't know like it's 7 p.m on a Monday and I'm doing this and it's not work like I'm enjoying myself but you know like I'll still say yes to everything you know what I mean like I don't have boundaries on this stuff um and that can be hard yeah yeah my partner is always telling me to uh absolutely just try and make breaks for myself so sometimes I will listen to him um but most of the time I won't (laughs) I think yeah when you're freelancing it's a bit different isn't it because your work hours can be anywhere from 6 to 8 p.m but when you're working in that nine to five you've got the commute like really there isn't much time in there and it's very easy to overwhelm yourself with plans and get burnt out and that's something Mm. you know a lot of us have have experienced um but yeah it's something I hear so much like it's of course you want to say yes to things but yeah I guess you just have to it's all about like maybe yeah time blocking but I will say like as a freelancer and this is what I preach and what I never practiced even though I was freelancing for like two years like everything you do as a freelancer is self-generated right like you always have to come up with your own ideas and it's like I think the mental exhaustion of being a freelancer is really like under discussed compared to the burnout that you have from full-time work because like you burn yourself out um and what I came to realize is that you actually have to give yourself breaks because otherwise you won't even come up with ideas like you have no productivity anymore anyway so like you need to take the time off to try and like think about your yeah to just try and like be creative again because that goes so quickly when you're tired I freelanced last year and um yeah like I'd work for tv radio stations like PR agencies and I was like oh this will be a breeze and it wasn't It's tough and I think like they need almost like a training course for people going into freelancing. It's it's not for the faint of heart. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's hard. I like I see those memes all the time that are like, you know, I quit my nine to five so that I could have, <laughs> be you know, per- girl boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's like so I could work, you know, twice as many hours a week being a freelancer. And it's so true. <laughs> It is. And like this podcast is about kind of creating your own careers. And like, I do like love the idea of people who start their own business and grow that and, you know, like work for themselves, be their own boss, like make their own salary. But at the same time, that shouldn't come at the cost of your own well-being. And I think 
that's something I harp on about now is just like really self-preservation and making sure that you're not just burning the candle at both ends, no matter what you're doing, whether it's full-time work, freelancing, side hustles, like it's just something's got to give and it shouldn't be your well-being and mental health. Totally. 100%. Like that should just like never be overlooked. I really don't understand those people who are proponents of like not sleeping and you know those people who are like proud of not sleeping and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, never be never. proud of that. <laughs> I could never do it. <laughs> I know. I also think like, you know, I'm 30 like in a week's time, right? And oh, wow. you know, I've been with my partner for like four years and realistically, like if I have to think about what work means to me for the next couple of years, it means like maternity leave. It means like, you know, trying to have a stable job so that I can get a mortgage. Like there are very practical, realistic things that you need work for sometimes. And like freelancing was never going to be able to provide me with those things. So I don't know, like, I really do think that you have to just try and be, like, as realistic as humanly possible when it comes to planning your career. Absolutely. I'm in the exact same boat. I turned 30 last year. Um, And, yeah, like, exactly. Completely relate to that. So I think it's just the stage of life you're at. I mean, I'm sure freelancing would be great when you do have kids and maybe in your earlier years, but while you're at uni you know, a lot of our listeners have are freelancers and have their own businesses and, you know, it is possible. And sometimes all it takes is like a really good contract and it changes everything. Yes. You know? Yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, yeah. Like my partner is still freelancing. He's a screenwriter. So like there's a good Amazing. balance in our household going on. Um, but yeah, even when we had the conversation with the mortgage broker the other day, he was like, okay, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm an editor now. And he was like to my partner, well, what do you do? And my partner was like, uh, well, it's very hard to explain. <laughs> and this guy just like fundamentally <laughs> did not understand how he was making money. So, oh, no. I mean, I just think that, yeah, that it could work out for some people, but it just really depends on where you're at in your life. What advice would you give to someone who is just starting out freelancing? Oh, okay. Um, I I would take very seriously what like a work environment means to you and whether or not you need people around. Because like that was one of the biggest things when I was writing the book is that I actually just got extremely lonely because I need to be around people and I like bouncing ideas off people um, and even just like having a chat. Um, so. If you are a person like me, I would suggest that you start setting up lunches, like have coffees with people during the day. Uh, You just don't want to be alone if you're in that situation. Um, So, yeah, I would I would really assess what like a meaningful, fulfilling day is to you. Um, On top of that, like, I don't know, it really depends what sort of things that you're that you're trying to do I think it's entirely possible to like live a really happy life as a freelancer but it just depends what your priorities are really and I think a really important one is solidifying those contacts you already have Mm. so like thinking about who did I work with three years ago that (laughs) you know runs a business or runs a agency and like talking to them like not being afraid to put yourself out there I think is another big one yeah, um, because that's yeah, what it is, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah, totally. And look, like, it sounds gross. I don't mean it to sound gross, but like, at the end of the day, like, friends will give friends work too. So I think that like, trying to like, keep up with your network, like, doing all of that, like the coffees and lunches can help for sure. But like, yeah, just reminding people that you exist is like one of the biggest parts of working as a freelancer, I think. What advice would you give to someone that is maybe wanting to start out in the media or editing um, digital media kind of world? And like, I guess, what do you wish you knew all those years ago when you started out in this industry? Like what's a piece of advice you wish you'd been told or you would like to give? When I was doing my media degree, basically the thing that everybody kept repeating was that there's no jobs in media. There's no jobs. Yeah. If you're training to be a journalist, <laughs> you will die on the streets. And like, I yeah. I really don't think that's true. No. I just think that like... We both journalism... did it, clearly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're living, we're thriving. Um, I just think that like you... It's, it's nice because you have this license to be creative with how you build your career in media. Um, so honestly, like all I have ever done is pursued what I think is interesting or meaningful at that point in time. And like, that's the really nice thing is that you can jump from broadcast, you can to like print media, to digital media. You can just like have your... What did you say before you had, I had my finger in a lot of pies? Like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, you can have your finger in a lot of pies and like, you know, try out different things. And um, actually I'm reading this fantastic book at the moment. It's called Range. And it's basically the perfect book for anybody who is having like an early career crisis because they feel like, uh, you know, they've been uh doing too many different things and they're not on like a traditional trajectory and they don't have like a path carved out for them and the nice thing is that you can carve out your own path and actually like having expertise in a whole bunch of different fields is really helpful um so yeah like that's what i would say i would just say like try everything out see what you like but there's not a huge amount of risk involved in just like giving things a go and yeah, just accumulating a bunch of different skills from different places. Just be a slashy. (laughs) Be a a bloody slashy. Be as annoying and as unstable and weirdly isolated as I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, but some of the, some of the best creativity does come from those like really random opportunities or, um, you know, moments where you are confused about what path you're on and then an idea, a light bulb will come and you get a little bit of inspiration. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. I just think that, like, prioritise what genuinely makes you happy and you will find something. So, Elfie, where can people find your book if they would like to grab a copy and read it for themselves? You can find my book in shops, basically. (laughs) Um, you can find it at Dimmix and Big W and uh, like most uh, online book retailers like Booktopia, places like that. It'll be around. Google search it. But then, yeah, if you want to stay up to date on any events that I'm doing, because I've got so many events coming up for it. Uh, so head to my Instagram and I will keep you updated on like dates and places I'll be around Australia. And give us your handle as well. (laughs) At Elfie Scott. (laughs) 
Well, Elfie, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved meeting you. I feel like I, we could just chit chat here all day, but <laughs> should we? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe over a wine. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And I think like you're just honestly so motivating. And I think our listeners can really take something away from your book and like thank you for writing something like that I think it's um really important work that you're doing and yeah thank you thank you that's really kind um and it's been such a delight meeting you thank you very much what a powerful conversation I really thoroughly enjoyed talking to Elfie and picking her brains thank you for coming on the show and if you would like to show us support for this episode and other episodes please give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and any other podcast platform you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram or TikTok at How Do You Hustle. So at the end of every episode, I've been doing a little things that I'm loving at the moment segment. And today I've got a great one for you. It's been an absolute game changer for me. I've struggled on and off for years with stomach issues like a lot of us modern day girls and if you're anything like me and you're a little bit lactose intolerant you have to try just dairy primer it's a new aussie product that has amazing ingredients it tastes just like a breath mint and comes in a cool little carrier and you can put it on your keys or put it in your purse and i've reached out and got a code for listeners you can use the code how do you hustle for a limited buy one get one free discount 